Well, good morning. Welcome to worship. Grace to you and peace from Jesus Christ, our Savior. And as we gather again today, we remember our baptismal covenant having been sealed with the Holy Spirit and marked with the cross of Christ forever. Amen. Our gospel today is from the 13th chapter of Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, an enemy came and sowed weeds amongst the wheat and went away. And when the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servant came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied, and the servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, and then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. And then he left the crowd and went into the house, and his disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. And he answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the sons and the children of the kingdom. And the weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out the kingdom, out of his kingdom, everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And they will throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let them hear. The Gospel of our Lord. I invite you to join me in praying together the Holy Spirit prayer in our time of fellowship. Let us pray. Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit and we shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit instructs the hearts of the faithful, grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Somebody made the comment last night that I uh, was quite exuberant in my presentation last night. I think I'm going to change gears, be less exuberant this morning. We'll see how that goes. We have a third assigned passage. It comes from Isaiah today, and I wanted to just give you a few verses from that because it, it has something to do with the context of what I'm talking about today. It comes from the 44th chapter of Isaiah, where the prophet Isaiah is saying, This is what the Lord says, Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty. I am the first, I am the last. Apart from me there is no God. Who then is like me? Let them proclaim it, let them declare it, and lay it before me. Just kind of have that in the back of your mind coming up here, and I'll repeat that again here in just a few minutes. I learned this week that Professor Emeritus Paul Hansen died on June 9th this past month. June 9th, coincidentally, is also the day that my dad was killed 51 years ago. A little bit of history behind this Professor Paul Hansen. 
He taught for 40 years at Harvard Divinity School in Cambridge, Massachusetts. I, I can't even say it. You know what I mean. Cambridge, Mass. I met Professor Hansen in the summer of 1983 at Holden Village. Holden Village is a retreat center up in the Cascade Mountains of Washington State. Now at that time I was a young seminarian and I was eager to learn and to hear knowledge about Old Testament and Old Testament theology. And I can tell you that Professor Paul Hansen, who was a visiting professor there that summer, he was a brilliant, masterful Old Testament scholar and teacher. And I, as a young seminarian, I was enthralled by his teachings and his understanding of God's engagement and God's relationship with us, especially when it comes to understanding Old Testament theology. And I say this to you by way of introduction today in my study and my reflection and thinking about these passages before us this week. Because one of the things that Pastor Hansen, or Professor Hansen, would say, he would say this about this parable before us today. He would say that it is a kingdom metaphor. I'm putting on a little bit of the professor hat now. He would say it is a kingdom metaphor about the one and only sovereign God of heaven and earth. And that's a very important thing. That is a very important thing for us to hear and to be reminded of. Because if you go back in Old Testament, and especially early Old Testament, there were all of these other gods that people were worshiping. All you got to do is read the first, you know, several books of the Old Testament, and you will find that there is all kinds of worship going on with all of these other false gods. And as part of the whole, I'm hesitant to use this word, but I'm going to use it anyway, as part of the whole cosmological struggle, you know, the cosmos out there, the cosmos, Part of the cosmological struggle, especially when it comes to understanding Old Testament theology, is that God was in this tension with these supposed other gods. But one of the things that comes out in the context of Old Testament theology is that as you learn more and more about it, that's part of this ongoing struggle that people had because you know, again, we have to understand from the perspective that people back then, they were illiterate. They did not read. And so they just kind of went along with the whims of all of these false teachings out there. And that's part of this whole struggle with understanding that there is this one and only sovereign God of heaven and earth. Professor Hansen would say that this parable today that's before us, it's a kingdom metaphor about the one and only sovereign God who through God's divine intervention in the world is constantly, constantly and relentlessly showing us the way of righteousness. That's what Professor Hansen would say, and I agree. One of the other things that he would say is that the one and only sovereign God 
has always been about covenant relationship. That's one of the early things about Old Testament theology is that God is about a covenant relationship. And that relationship is with God's creation and also with humanity. And according to Professor Hansen, he calls it, it's based on what we call this divine order of shalom. God is all about a divine order of shalom. And we know that the word shalom is all about wholeness. Shalom is about peace. Shalom is about living in community together in wholeness and in peace. And one of the components of living together in community in wholeness and peace is to live and extend that sense of peace, that sense of compassion, a sense of justice. That's what it means to live in community together. That's what it means to live in this divine order of shalom. And, and Professor Hansen would say that this context of divine order of shalom, it is the way of life. This is something I think that needs to be heard, that this is the way of life which alone, and that word alone is a very important word, it is the way of life which alone is the only viable way. And that viable way is the way of the righteous, compassionate God. I don't know about you folks, but the world that I look around, I don't see the way. I don't see the only viable way of life out there very much anymore. And I do ask myself and I wonder, who are our modern day prophets? Do we even have prophets anymore amongst us? Do we have anybody out there who's willing and to be bold enough and willing enough and strong enough to speak truth to power, to be, speak truth to injustice, to speak truth to corruption? Who are those voices? Oh, boy. Tone it down. Tone it down. God has always been about this divine order of shalom. This one and only sovereign God of the Old Testament and the New Testament has always been about speaking, has always been about communicating, and has always been about extending this divine order of shalom, this way of righteousness, this way of the compassionate God, because that's who God truly is. God, the God that you and I worship, the God that you and I believe in, is a compassionate, just God. And that's the tension that you and I live in, is that in the midst of this world that seems to be filled with a whole lot of weeds, is doing everything that it can within its power to negate and to look, to basically speak down what it means to live the only viable way. The way of the righteous, compassionate God. Professor Emeritus Paul Hansen, throughout all of his years, he taught for 40 years, throughout his, all these years, in his teaching approach to Scripture, he had this perspective. And that perspective is this. That the dominant mode running through the Bible is that God seeks within a fallen community, and that's, you, that's you and me, we are the fallen community. 
We have all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That God seeks within this fallen community, he seeks to gather a remnant, a remnant community. And who is that remnant community? It's you, it's you, it's you, it's you and me. We are the remnant community. God seeks within the fallen community to gather together a remnant community who is faithful to God's vision. That's what you and I are to be about. In our life, as followers of God, as followers of Jesus Christ, God is calling us and seeking us to be faithful to God's vision. And that means being called to this divine order of shalom in spite of sin. God intends this for all of humanity. God has always intended this for all of humanity. It's a way of life which alone is the only viable way. And I don't know who those prophets are out there that need to be speaking that, but that is what needs to be spoken. Not only here in the United States of America, but all across the globe. That the only true viable way is the way of the righteous, compassionate God. And one of the primary voices that spoke of that divine order of shalom was a lonely voice. And you know who that lonely voice was? It was the lonely voice of the prophets. Prophets were very lonely people. I think that prophets probably experienced, spent a lot of time in caves. Because not only, you know why they spent a lot of time in caves? Because they feared for their lives. Because prophets were hunted. Because they spoke truth to power. That's what prophets did. Prophets spoke truth to power. And one of the main reasons why prophets still had a dominant and a predominant voice is because you know who prophets spoke to most? They spoke directly to the people. And who were the people that the prophets were predominantly speaking to? They were talking to the people who were the downtrodden and who were the oppressed. And he was giving those, prof he was giving those people a sense of hope. He was giving them a sense of what a future might be like for them. But even in the midst of that, he was also, prophets were speaking to kings in spite of all the power that the kings had. And when Isaiah, in the 44th chapter of Isaiah, when he says, this is what the Lord says, Israel's king and redeemer, the Lord Almighty, I am the first, I am the last, apart from me there is no other God. Who then is like me? Let them proclaim it, let them declare it, and lay it out before me. When he speaks those words, he is addressing not only the people, but he is, he, was, he is speaking directly to the powers that be. He was speaking to the kings who represent corruption and injustice, and he was speaking with absolute authority. And the reason why he was speaking with absolute authority is because he was speaking in the name of the one and only sovereign God. And when the prophet spoke on the basis of their acknowledgement of God's sovereignty as being the one and only sovereign under heaven, the authority of the prophet was that, that the prophet speaks in the name of the sovereign God, the God of heaven and earth, and that no other power can shake that voice. And as Isaiah so boldly spoke, I am the first, I am the last, besides me there is no other God who is like me. How many times, how many times in the Gospels, Go look it up. 
Go look it up later today. How many times in the Gospels do you hear Jesus say, the kingdom of God has come near? All throughout, it's, it's, it's everywhere in the Gospels. When Jesus says the kingdom of God is near, what does that mean? It means that the God in the incarnate life of Jesus, that God in the life of Jesus who came into the world in human form, he came to us to reveal this divine order of shalom through his life and through his teaching. When you look at the entirety, think about it. Take some time and think about the entirety of Jesus' life. Who did Jesus spend most of his time with? He spent his time not with the rulers. He spent his time with the people. The people. The people who were downtrodden. The people who were poor. The people who were blind. The people who were suffering from leprosy. The people who were ill. That's who Jesus spent his time with. He spent his time with the sinners. And when you look at the overall centrality of the message and everything that Jesus taught and showed and revealed, the centrality of his life was centered in compassion and justice for people. Jesus came into the world to reveal and to teach the divine order of shalom, the only true and viable way of life to live in community through extending and living compassion and justice. Where is it today, folks? Where is it that we see compassion and justice being lived out in our world? Where is it? So what does that, what does that have to do with the parable before us today? Well, in light of what I've just said, it's a parable about the kingdom. It's a metaphor about the kingdom. It's a metaphor in which Jesus acknowledges that the world has both weeds and wheat. It's a metaphor where Jesus is basically telling us that there, will always, there always has been and there always will be wheat and weeds. And the likelihood is until that very day when the harvest comes, there will always be wheat and weeds. And in many respects, the weeds represent that which is selfish, that which is greedy, that which is unjust, and those things that do not extend compassion or justice. The weeds represent all of those things and people that either reject or ignore who intentionally work against the divine order of shalom. The weed, on the other hand, which coexists with the weeds, it represents the voices, the followers of the way, or as Jesus said, the wheat is the children of the kingdom. The children of the kingdom. The ones who profess the one sovereign God and who through their lives and community continually remind themselves of this divine order of shalom. To remind themselves and each other that the way that we are supposed to live, the only real viable way that you and I are supposed to live together is through living a life that follows this righteous, compassionate God. That's what you and I are supposed to do. You and I are supposed to walk and live our lives in community following this righteous, compassionate God. The one who wants us to have wholeness. And that's what you and I are doing here today. We're here today to listen to the one sovereign God who invites us to live in this divine order of shalom. This world in which we live, it's filled with weeds. Weeds of deception. Weeds of lies. Weeds of empty, lifeless words. There are so many empty, empty lifeless words out there, it's ridiculous. Words that seek to manipulate and draw us away from truth. 
and draw us away from compassion and justice. And yet, in the midst of the weeds, this one sovereign God continues to be relentless, extending the kingdom, seeking to embrace all people with the divine order of shalom. And what better person do we have to look to, to see, and to imitate? That person is the incarnate Son of God, Jesus, who came into the world to reveal and to bring the kingdom of God near to us. I believe that Jesus was and that Jesus is the divine order of shalom. Because Jesus is God. And Jesus is the righteous, compassionate, just God. And Jesus is the only way of life, which is the only viable way. And as Professor Emeritus Paul Hansen so aptly said, God seeks within the fallen community to gather together a remnant, a remnant faithful to God's vision, the divine order of shalom which God, in spite of sin, intends for all of humanity. And as wheat, that's you and me, as wheat, as children of God, as children of the kingdom, our lives are to reflect compassion and empathy and justice. And the way of Jesus is the only way of life. It is the only viable way. Amen. Please join me now in confessing your faith by saying the Apostles' Creed upon this stand. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day He rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I invite you to join me now as we pray together the prayer our Lord has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Go forth from this place refreshed and empowered to do the ministry to which God calls you. Travel lightly for you, carry all that you need within you. And may notice God's presence in simple everyday experiences. And whenever opportunity arises, labor for the good of all. And may the blessing and joy of God, our creator, healer, and life giver, go with you today and always. Amen. Go in peace and tell what God has done. And thanks be to God.